0: The Gospel for this day comes from John chapter 4. Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, "'Ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria.'" Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, "'If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, "'Give me a drink,' you would have asked him, "'and he would have given you living water.'" The woman said to him, "'Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. "'Where do you get this living water? "'Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, "'and with his sons and his flocks drank from it?' Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking to a woman, but no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Many Samaritans from that city believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Every week we send out an email on Thursdays that arrives in your inbox if you receive it, and it says kind of what's going to happen during the week or some things that are coming up later, and there's also a little video that is a sermon preview. So if you saw the sermon preview this week, um, my opening question for you won't be a big surprise, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I'm going to invite you to turn to someone near you. And I know if you're an introvert, you're already thinking, oh, no. But it's okay. It won't last very long. Turn to someone near you, ideally someone you didn't come here with this morning, but I'll leave it to you. And take just a few minutes to discuss a question. What is something you don't know? Something you don't know. I think, I think my battery just gave up on me. I'm going to go get a new one in a second. But... Um, So this can be something you don't know how to do, something you don't understand, an area of expertise you've just never explored, whatever, however you want to um, interpret that question. So turn to someone you can physically move around if you want, if you're joining us online, if you want to text somebody this question and see what happens, right? Let's talk to somebody near you about what you don't know, and then I'll interrupt you in a little bit. All right, go ahead. All right, I'm gonna stop you there. And if you want to continue your conversation, um, we tried to make the coffee a little extra strong this morning to make up for the time difference so you can head in there and maybe join, join someone for a cup of coffee. I'll tell you right now, one of the things I don't know how to do is run our sound system. So um, those of you joining us online, we know we're having a little live stream sound difficulty and we promise that we're working on it. Hopefully, all of you in here can hear OK. All right, so we'll start off by saying that's kind of a weird question, especially if you were just meeting somebody um and you met them and and you know learned their name and then immediately jumped into sharing your personal ignorance right we all have plenty of it there's we all have things we don't understand questions we've never asked or gotten answered there's topics we don't know much about whole areas of the world that we just we don't even know where to start there's a lot more that we don't know than what we do know but that's not generally where we begin with one another, and if you do share, and maybe when you were it 's possible that you kind of kept it light, right like oh this you know i don 't know how to you know reprogram my car 's clock like this morning. I forget how to do that twice a year every year. Um, our deeper questions are our, our kind of underlying anxieties, the stuff that tend to wake us up at two a m and keep us awake, the pieces of life that just leave us kind of undone and maybe even fearful at times, we tend to keep those to ourselves. Maybe if we don't admit them, they won't be real or they'll go away. Today's Gospel story is the longest theological conversation Jesus has with anybody in any of the four Gospels, and he has that conversation with a particularly unusual partner. There are a long list of reasons why Jesus and this woman should not be talking at all, much less have this extensive conversation about complicated topics. Well, we can summarize those reasons pretty quickly, and I'm sure you can guess at a lot of them. What we know about Jesus and this woman on the surface of it would convince us, convince us that they do not belong together. They are to begin with, of course, different genders in a time and day when gender roles were pretty clearly defined <clears throat> and genders mostly kept themselves fairly separate in public. They are from different ethnic and religious traditions. Jesus is Jewish, we know that, and this woman is clearly identified as a Samaritan. And not only are they from different traditions, but there are animosities between their traditions that are buried deep in their histories. There is dislike between Jews and Samaritans based on history that has been passed down from generation to generation. There's also the fact that Jesus is not married, as far as we know in the story, and we learn that this woman is not currently married, although she has been before. And they meet at a well, which maybe doesn't mean much to us, but in the history of the Old Testament, a well is where people often met their spouse. So, if an unmarried man and an unmarried woman meet at a well, the most likely thing to happen there is a marriage proposal not a theology conversation. So in other words, when these two people meet each other in this setting, they know a lot. They know all of their obvious and problematic differences. They are probably aware of the assumptions anyone who's walking by might make about the two of them sitting at that well. They are well aware that there's nothing in their day and time that would encourage them to do anything other than just politely acknowledge each other's presence and then move on. But Jesus instead starts with what he doesn't know, something he needs. He asks this woman, would you bring me a drink of water? Which, depending on your translation, can come off more like an order, give me a drink, but that translation's a little rough, it's more of a question. Now, the story tells us as the readers up front that Jesus' friends are off on an errand specifically to get something to eat, and presumably they'll bring some kind of drink with it. So Jesus is not going to die of thirst at this well. He is also at a well, so one presumes he could just lean over and help himself or wait a bit longer for his friends to show up. But instead, he admits to this woman, this complete stranger, a need, a vulnerability, something he doesn't have. And he asks if she could help. Meanwhile, this woman is probably there to get her water and then get home as fast as possible. It would be unusual for a woman to come to the well to get water at noon in the heat of the day. And the story makes it clear that this is happening at noon. You can imagine why, right? Water's heavy to carry she may have a long way to go and it's hot at noon. So most women would come early in the morning or maybe in the cool of the evening. Some scholars say, well, maybe this woman's complicated marital history made her unwelcome among other folks in the community, or maybe she just needed extra water that day. We don't really know. Either way, she would likely, rightly, have expected to be alone on her errand. And now she's encountered a man who asks her for help. And she, in turn, finds a way to ask him about what she doesn't know. If we had any doubts about it, everything we need to know about these two people is handed to us between two parentheses. There's a little line there that makes it all clear. Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. So even if we don't know the history, the ethnic and religious differences, the gender histories, to pick up on sort of the complicating factors in this story, it's right there in black and white. These two people know who they are. They know who the other person is. They should just walk away. This story takes place some 2,000 years ago. But those kinds of parentheses still very much exist in the world as we know it. These people do not share things in common with these people. We can start light, right, just for fun. How would you fill that in? Huskies do not share things in common with cougars. The West Coast does not share things in common with the East Coast. Coffee drinkers do not share things in common with tea drinkers. Cat people do not share things in common with dog people. But they go a lot deeper than that, right? They're all over the place. Democrats do not share things in common with Republicans. Evangelicals do not share things in common with progressive Christians. Conservatives do not share things in common with drag queens. Citizens do not share things in common with undocumented people. MAGA voters do not share things in common with Bernie fans. Israelis do not share things in common with Palestinians. People with homes do not share things in common with those who are homeless. There's a million of them. We know those. That's usually where we start. We've all been in situations, maybe not at a well, where we encounter someone and behave toward them because of what we think we know about them, without even asking. We fill in those parentheses all the time, based on, what, skin color, age, clothing, language, tone of voice, political slogans on a hat or a t-shirt, slang, accents. It's like we're all walking around every day with parentheses just waiting to be filled in based on what we know or what we think we know about each other. So it's important that Jesus starts somewhere else instead. This Lent, we've been asking you to think about what really matters to you. How we can, in this season, strip away some of the extra stuff and get down to what is really important to us. And when we pose this question to you, Pastor Gina did in a sermon a few months ago, and we asked you to write down answers. We sorted through all of those answers, and one very clearly rose to the top. Something that mattered to you was relationships, community. Authentic, meaningful, healthy relationships in the church and outside of it. That mattered, matters to Jesus too, which maybe is why we get to glimpse today a conversation that is all those things. It's authentic, it's meaningful, it's healthy. Both of these people get to talk openly. They listen to each other. They push back a little bit. Hey, I'm not so sure I get what you're talking about. They admit their questions. They don't resolve everything. But when they leave, both of them have been changed. Jesus, for one, has said out loud for the first time that he is somehow deeply connected to the name of God. I am he, he says, which echoes God's name from the Old Testament, I am. Jesus has been able to say that out loud finally. And the woman, who you might remember, just came to get water, leaves her water jar there, the whole reason she showed up. And she goes instead to become a storyteller the very first evangelist, the first person to invite people and come and see who this Jesus guy is. She's a pretty good evangelist. A lot of people believe first because of her and then because of what they hear from Jesus. Come and see this guy, she says. He talks to me like I matter. When what we know or what we think we know about each other, when that's where we start, and that becomes a barrier, a conversation stopper, Jesus and the woman at the well today show us a different way. Community and relationship starts with curiosity, with what we don't know about each other, and a willingness to learn, with respect and an honoring of the differences between us, but a willingness to share them, share our questions, our wonderings, our worries, and what we're really thirsty for. Now that means we got to figure out what we've put in those parentheses. We have to be honest about it. All those assumptions we carry around each other, about each other, is heavy as a jar of water. We have to be willing to put them down and walk away, which is not easy. Sometimes holding on to those things has felt like a big part of who we are. I am not that. So who will we be if we walk away? What happens if we find out the person we think is least like us is thirsty for the same things we are? It might feel like a sort of death, Letting go of all those things we think we know. It is a death of sorts. A death of a certain way of being in the world. But in Jesus, the first thing we learn is that death is not the end. There is an empty tomb on the other side. There is a way to leave your heavy water jar at the well and walk away. There is a possibility and promise of what can happen if we empty those parentheses of all the reasons we should dismiss one another if we're just willing to start with what we don't know yet and see what happens. Amen.